I had saw I had started having some visitations by some um, evil spirits, and I started having a lot of night terrors and a lot of very scary things. You know, um, wow. that I didn't realize what was happening, but I knew it had to do with my. Um, I just knew it had to do with God. I just knew it in the bottom of my heart, and um, I confided in a cousin of mine who actually is like an older brother to me and he said you need to ask God for a sign you need to just ask him for a sign and it never occurred to me to just I mean I prayed but it never occurred to me to actually talk to him hey guys this is Brian and I'm Tony and you're listening to the crucial conversation podcast Since doing this podcast, there is an online community of, of apostolic podcasts that are out there. And whenever we first got started in doing this, we were, we were looking for uh, what all else is out there. And, and there's one individual we discovered that is incredibly supportive of fellow apostolic podcasts. And we, we've, we've had a few on there that have, have get, has given us mentions uh, just to name a few, um, being connected on Instagram with the Kingdom Minded Exchange, the Word of Mouth podcast. But there's one podcast that stands out in their support of fellow uh, apostolic podcasts on the platform. And there is none more supportive to other apostolic podcasts than the Hello Awesome podcast. And so our way of saying thank you to, to JC is having her on our podcast and giving her an opportunity to introduce herself to some of our listeners that may have not have heard her before and, and, and don't quite know who she is. Um, it, it is our honor to have on the host of the Hello Awesome podcast. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing really, really great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really honored and I'm a fan of your podcast. I really listen to it every week and I love what you guys are doing in the real conversations that you're having on Crucial Conversations. Well, thank you so much. So how did you find out about us? Uh, That's something I like to ask everybody. How did you find out about the Crucial Conversation? You know, um, I believe I found you through the Noteworthy podcast. I believe he shared um, an episode on Instagram. Uh, I don't know. I feel like um, I follow so many apostolics that, you know, I kind of saw it floating around, but I believe it was. through the noteworthy podcast and I saw it and um, I'm always looking for apostolic content to put in my earbuds during the day, you know, especially when I'm doing things like dishes um, to keep me, you know, centered. And I just really loved how you guys just got to the heart of a lot of real issues. And I related to a lot of the content that you were creating. Sure. Cause there's a lot of issues that are, um, relevant that is pushed behind closed doors that I feel it is it's it's vital and it's time to open those doors up and talk about it because slowly but surely um, we're losing who we should be and who we're called to be through God and it's, it's our goal as a crucial conversation to debunk that but thank you so much for coming on tell us a little bit about hello awesome yeah yeah and that's about the crucial conversation let's hear about you What's the Hello Awesome podcast about? Oh, man. Well, you know, I got an, I had an idea of starting a podcast because, like I said, I love podcasts. I work from home. I'm an artist and a writer, also a homeschooling mom. It's a two boys, and it was just, it's just nice to have something different, you know, um, to listen to. And I just couldn't find too many of us, you know. And this was a, a prayer I had from the very beginning when I was working blogging and, you know, doing my other creative stuff. And I remember having a prayer and saying, Lord, you know, I know that there are more creative apostolics out there. I just don't see them. And I really had that prayer because I found a lot of awesome Christian communities online. There's a, they're amazing people, but I wanted ones of like-minded faith. And when I started listening to podcasts, I wanted that same connection and the Lord really placed it on my heart 
um, almost like he was telling me, well, then you do something about it, you know? And I have a lot of things that I've gone through and a lot of insight that he's given me. And I thought, you know what, I would like to do this, but I don't want to do it alone. So that's when I started just reaching out and just asking around different people that I've connected with, specifically on Instagram, a lot of apostolic influencers, if you want to call them, but it really, um, it really just kind of solidified that, you know, this was a direction God really wanted me to go. And I think I took maybe one full day because I had so much going on in my head of what I wanted to do. I wrote it all down. I searched Pinterest on how to, how to create a podcast, you know, and, and did a checklist. And I was listening to podcasts for a long time. So I kind of knew what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. And I actually was featured on a couple other Christian podcasts. So I kind of thought, well, I know how I would like to treat my guests. And so I just did it. And um, I actually started recording in December of last year, but I didn't actually um, like put out my podcast and, and make it live until February. So I wanted to have that kind of, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of podcasts already pre-recorded. Um, so I didn't feel like I was overwhelmed and I was doing a lot of prayer around that time and just making sure everything was aligned and God just really opened a lot of doors for really amazing women to, um, come onto the podcast and, and I've made some great friends so far. So you say that you could relate with a lot of the topics we talk about. What do you mean by that? Well, you had someone on that, um, and now I can't remember her name, but she really blessed me. It was a young woman who wasn't brought up in church, and she was talking about, um, you know, being delivered from drugs. And I wasn't, um, you know, into drugs or anything like that, but I could relate to her redemption story. And um, I wasn't brought up in church. Uh, I was Catholic. Um, so I had a God conscience, if you want to call it. But you know, I had that missing piece and, you know, I was listening to her talking and it really just resonated with me because I could relate to that. And, um, when I, when I am around other people who grew up in church, um, I had to almost, especially in the very beginning, um, almost kind of fight that jealousy, um, of man, I wish I had that testimony of not being, you know, tainted from the world. Um, but then God really worked on my heart through that. So, so it was just, I remember that particular conversation you had with that, with that young woman and, um, and it really, really resonated with me. So one thing that stands out in you saying that is that it was a conversation with a young lady. Um, one thing that we've noticed in doing, in doing our podcast with obviously done with men and women is that the, the podcast with women seem to, uh, gain numbers quicker. And I wonder if you could talk to that about the value of of women being involved, speaking their testimonies, and being able to connect with other ladies. Because, like I said, as you've experienced uh, that it was through another woman's testimony that connected you to this. Um, mm. And with you, you have so many women on that they're writers, singers. Uh, talk to me about that, that passion of giving the women a platform to connect with other women. Yeah, that's such a great question. And I guess it just was something that was put into me early on because I had many great women of faith pour into me when I came into church, just the pillars in the church. You know, I think sometimes the younger generation, we, you know, we might have, you know, these ideas and I talk about this in, in my latest book about, you know, oh, you know, the older generation, they do this and that, but you know, without them, we wouldn't be here. And so I have a lot of respect for them. You know, they took time, give me Bible studies. They, you know, asked, you know, they answered all the questions, all the questions that I had in the beginning. And, you know, when I see so many um, just powerful women of faith, I know each one has a special story. And I think that's really important for other um, women, especially in the newer generations, the upcoming generations, the generations who are younger than us, that they hear all those different stories so that they can somehow relate to them, so that they know that God is a God of the individual. He loves each and every one of us individually, and he gives us each a special testimony 
if it's okay if it's not the same as the other woman. You know, it's okay if your testimony looks different than somebody else's. That doesn't mean God loves you less. And so I think that's really been the heart of, you know, the Hello Awesome podcast is just bringing on so many different women of different ages and realizing that at the core of every conversation that I've had is that God loves each and every one of them and they love all the women who are listening to. So what's your story, JC? You sent us a little information about uh, who you are because you really did connect with some of our listeners or our, our, our um, guest stories. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from. Oh, man. All right. Uh, well, actually, I am from Connecticut. That's where I actually live right now, born and raised and uh, started off you know, growing up in Hartford in the city, and then we slowly moved to um, the suburbs in Windsor. And um, I am uh, Puerto Rican, which a lot of people don't know because I do not look like it, um, your typical Puerto Rican, but um, there are a lot of different shades of us on the island. And um, so we are very Catholic. Uh, you know, Puerto Ricans have um, Catholicism as the foundation of their life. And um, it's very much a community of a family-based religion. And so I grew up going to catechism, which is, um, you know, kind of their version of Sunday school, learning about God. But I remember even early on just being kind of confused as to who to pray to, because it was very separate in the titles. You know, they didn't really say that, you know, uh, Jesus and God, and they, they didn't really say the, um, the truth about who God is because they really don't know. And so I remember just being really confused, even though I did believe that there was a God. And so early on, I know that that was just a battle um, that I've always had inside. And growing up, you know, we kind of stopped going for a lot of different reasons, personal reasons in my family, a lot of different trials and just life happens. And I remember being 18 years old and having my first like real relationship and just kind of spiraling from there. Um, you know, I was kind of looking for that fulfillment and I thought, you know, I could, you know, if I had somebody special, it would fill that void and it just doesn't do it, you know? Um, and so I remember it was about 2007 so about 12 years ago, we were not in a good place. Um, we were engaged for a few years, but I never wanted to um, go through with it. And you kind of have it in your head that if you're engaged, you should be excited, right? <laughs> it's really an exciting time. It should be special. And I really didn't feel that way. I actually felt even more conviction. I felt more conflicted because I knew that uh, my fiance at the time was an atheist. And I had toyed with that idea multiple times, but I knew that that just wasn't true. There was something just in my heart that I knew it wasn't true. And so I had a family friend uh, ask me to paint a series of paintings for her because I was always in art. I always did writing. And so this was going to be my first real paying gig, actually a paying job as an artist. So when she asked me to paint uh, some religious paintings for her, I just jumped at the chance, you know, if you want me to paint something, I don't care what it's going to be. You know, I'm like 20 something years old <laughs> and needed some money. So I started painting and the first painting was of the Lord Jesus Christ as a baby and Mary was holding him in a field. And I remember just being so just drawn to it and just looking at that little baby that I had just painted and asking him, who are you? You know, like, who are you, Jesus? Like, you have to be you know, you have to be more than what I know. And um, like I said, I was not in a good relationship. I was living in sin. We were living together. Um, it was just, um, it was just not a good, um, you know, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame was um, on my heart. And I remember um, once I started painting those paintings, I started having a lot of spiritual attacks. And I don't say that lightly. I actually, um, it's very known in my family, especially being Puerto Rican, there's a lot of witchcraft in Puerto Rico. And so um, a lot of Latin America has, has that as their, um, you know, throughout their culture. And I remember always being warned by my cousins and um, 
specifically my mother and my aunts to not dabble in anything um, like that because we have it in our blood. Um, and so I had, saw, I had started having some visitations by some um, evil spirits and I started having a lot of night terrors and a lot of very scary things, you know, um, wow. that I didn't realize what was happening, but I knew it had to do with my, um, I just knew it had to do with God. I just knew it in the bottom of my heart. And um, I confided in a cousin of mine who actually is like an older brother to me. And he said, you need to ask God for a sign. You mm -hmm. need to just ask him for a sign. And it never occurred to me to just, I mean, I prayed, but it never occurred to me to actually talk to him. And so the next night I got my chance. Um, I was actually laying in bed and I was, um, I started hearing fire in my ears, which was a regular thing. And I, I never heard like demonic voices, but I always felt their presence and I felt a heaviness weigh me down and I couldn't move. And, um, I remember thinking in my head because I couldn't speak at the time they had kind of covered my voice. And I remember thinking, you know, God, if you're real, I need to know, I need to know for myself. Cause at that point, nothing else mattered. Nobody else mattered. It was just something that me and God needed to, you know, kind of hash out together. And I remember just saying, I need a sign. Please show me a sign right now. I need you, Jesus. And when I said that, the darkness of the room faded. And I knew I wasn't asleep because I was kind of in this weird trance. And the darkness faded and I saw a vision of him on the cross. And there was like white fluffy clouds. And he had the crown of thorns on his head, but it was not bloody. And he was looking down at the ground and he looked up straight in my eyes. And that was when I felt the presence of God for the very first time. I never even knew what that was but I knew it was him. And then when the vision faded, the heaviness on my shoulders just lifted off. And it just, I just felt his warmth all over my body. And I knew, I knew right then and there that he was calling me to step out of where I was. And so the next thing I said was, Jesus, whatever door you'll open, I'll walk right through it. I don't know what it is and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to follow you. And sure enough, I've been put to the test ever since, but a couple, um, I think a week went by and I had an opportunity to leave that relationship. I packed one back and, you know, we mutually agreed that it was probably the best thing. And um, I never looked back. Have you ever painted that vision? I never have. Not that particular vision. Um, that wasn't the last vision the Lord has given me. Uh, during my conversion, but, but not that one. Um, I don't think I'll be able to do it justice, honestly. So that's what I was going to ask is, is if you were, you know, in a hypothetical world now, since you haven't painted it, what do you feel like your emotional state would be? And, and I was going to ask about, do you think you could even do justice uh, mm. with what you saw? No, I really couldn't. It was just so beautiful because it was just him. You know, and the focus was just on him and there was nothing else that mattered in that moment. And I just, yeah, I don't think I will be, a, I mean, I could picture it vividly in my head and I think I could definitely attempt it for sure. But um, there'll be a lot of uh, drafts upon drafts for sure. So what did your family think of this conversion? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've talked about it openly and um and they know my heart, um, so I don't mind sharing that. And um, obviously, I'll be respectful. But, um, you know, they were very scared because they loved me. And they didn't want me to um, do anything drastic because they knew my heart was broken. And I really love them for that. And I really appreciate them for that. And looking back, um, especially me as a parent now, um, that would be a scary thing to see your, you know, daughter totally change not only, you know, in their life, but their entire lifestyle very quickly. And, um, and I was such a new convert. I didn't know how to answer all their questions. All I knew to tell them was, this is just what I have to do. And uh, they were, they were very respectful. I think after a while, um, a lot of talking, a lot of crying, a lot of, you know, heart to heart talks for hours on end. Um, 
and they've they've been so supportive and loving ever since. Okay, so here is your chance, JC. What do you tell the the girl struggling with I know I shouldn't marry this guy because there's just something and I got to find that something. What do you tell that person? Just take time. There's no rush. Honestly, what I would probably tell that person too is just, it really does matter to have your own relationship with God first and to establish that first. And as much as I love my husband, I have to love Jesus first. And if you look at the person and your values don't line up, you have to think down the road. So think something other than the, the now. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to live in the moment. And, you know, the world is going to throw that at us. Just live in the moment. Live your life now. Well, that's great. But now doesn't last very long, you know. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do when this husband is a father? Because eventually that might happen. Is he going to hold the values that you agree with? And if he doesn't, that's going to create division in your family and be- between each other. And since uh, you brought up the, uh, your husband, how did you meet your husband? I actually met him um, before I was saved. We were working together at the airport. And it's one of our favorite stories to tell because it's such a God thing. Um, the hilarious thing was we did not hit it off very well because I am five years older. Um, I was kind of more of a, a seasoned worker. We worked at the food court together. And um, it was a busy day. And a busy day at a coffee shop in the airport is a busy day. So I needed extra help and they sent me the new guy, which was Jonathan. And, um, you know, this scrawny little 16 year old just comes waltzing up and I'm like, oh great, they sent me the new guy, you know? And um, I was not a very nice person back then. Um, Sometimes she comes to visit once in a while and I have to remind her that I'm Jesus now, but um, you know, I, I had a really bad attitude. I was very nasty to him and he just wanted to be a good helper. You know, he was just a new guy. And that was the first time we met each other. And his mother tells the story of him coming home that day and saying, mom, I met this girl and she's so mean to me. (laughs) (laughs) And we laugh about it now. Little did he know we would marry each other. But, um, yeah, he was just, um, you know, on slower days when it wasn't busy and I wasn't a crazy person, we would really talk and we talk a lot about God and just about life. And um, I really, it just really struck me how mature he was for his age. Um, I had never met somebody who could carry a conversation uh, with a lot of depth, but with humor as well. And um, so we just really started a really amazing friendship for probably about uh, two years um, before that point of my transition. And actually, when I left that other relationship in 2007, the first person I thought of to call was Jonathan, because I knew that the other friends I had in my life, though I loved them very much, they wouldn't understand um, anything that I was going through from a spiritual point of view. And I needed somebody who was outside my circle of influence at the time somebody who could look at my situation with honest eyes. And I knew that Jonathan would do that for me. And he was the first person that I called. And we talked every night from that day forward. Is there any conversations that you had during that time, those deep conversations that stand out to you still today? Mm -hmm. I remember him being very patient. Um, I used to say some really crazy things and, you know, you know, maybe I'll go and get a tattoo or maybe I'll do this. And he would just gently say, "Mm, you may not want to do that, you know, but he wouldn't, he wasn't judgmental. And anytime I had questions, he would, he would answer them for me. I just remember specifically, um, you know, I asked him, what church do you go to? And he said, apostolic Pentecostal. And I was like, what in the world is that? (laughs) And, um, He just started, you know, testifying to me and witnessing to me. And um, it was very special because it's been ingrained in him since he was a child. But it was kind of his 
his moment to share it with somebody that he really cared about. And I know he tells the story of he really did like me, but I wasn't saved. So he didn't think there was a chance because there was no way he was going to marry an unsaved girl. And um, he would tell the story of, you know, you're going to date somebody. You have to think about that sort of thing. And so I just remember just those kind of uh, deep conversations and him being very patient with all the questions that I had because there were very many. So tell us about the first time that you walked into an apostolic Pentecostal church. I remember, um, I, I remember that Jonathan was saying he was kind of working up the courage to ask me to go. Um, he was very nervous about it, even though he knew I was most likely going to say yes. And right when he was going to ask me, I kind of blurted out, can you take me to church next Sunday? <laughs> and he was like, well, okay, then I was about to ask you that. <laughs> And um, so he picked me up and I remember showing up and when I walked into those doors, I was, I, I don't, the only way I can say my experience was, it just felt so warm. It felt like home. It really did. Everybody was worshiping God, speaking in tongues. The atmosphere was so free. And all I thought was, wow, there's freedom in here. And I didn't understand everything, obviously, and some things were a little off the wall for a little, you know, uh, Catholic girl. But I was like, I, I was flabbergasted because I didn't think that you could worship God like that. But when I saw it done, it just made sense, you know, um, that it's okay to lift up your hands. It's okay to open your mouth. It's okay to be emotional. That just made sense to me. If you're thinking about how great God is, why wouldn't you worship that way, you know? And I immediately had tears in my eyes. And like I said, I was not a nice person uh, back then. I was very hard. I had a lot of things that had happened in my life that, you know, I just wanted to appear tough for whatever reason. And um, I did not cry often, especially not in front of people I didn't know. But that day when I felt the presence of God so strongly, it just, it just happened. The floodgates were open. And I remember my, um, Jonathan's mother coming over and uh, putting her arm around me for comfort. And I just looked at her and said, this is what I want. And those are my exact words. And we tell that story often is I just, from the depths of my soul, it just came out. This is what I want. Whatever these people have, I want it. Whenever um, you were transitioning into the apostolic church, Obviously, as you just made mention of, when it comes to our uh, worship services, it's very different. Mm -hmm. and, and, and our lifestyle is very different. Did you struggle with um, lifestyle changes? And specifically, I'm thinking of, of outward holiness. Yeah, you know, um, as far as some of the outward, outward holiness, um, when I was doing a lot of the, my Bible studies, I started doing Bible studies with Jonathan's mom. She's an amazing Bible teacher and one of my best friends. And um, there was just a lot of truth when she was teaching me. And she was very, very careful about what to teach me. And um, it sort of happened naturally. When I started thinking about history, and this is kind of how my mind goes, is I started thinking about back in the day, how things were simple and how women used to dress back in the day. And then I started thinking about his history and how that changed, you know, women working in the factories during war and things like that, and how that changed the mindset of the culture. But that didn't change how God wanted us to be viewed as women. And so as far as the changing out of pants into skirts, um, that, was, that was pretty much immediate. I really didn't have any issues with that part because to me, that just made sense. It made sense to be separate as a female, to show um, the power of being a woman through my dress. Um, it really didn't matter to me as far as the hair cutting. My hair at that point was a mess. I hadn't had a trim in a long time. So I just said, oh, well. Um, <laughs> I think for me, it was more of the memories of being a Catholic and um, knowing how much that meant to my family and the heirlooms that I was given. I was given a special necklace that was very special from an aunt, a guardian angel necklace. And I was given two um, earrings that I wore all the time. 
And so I wore those because of the sentimental value. And I do remember struggling with the jewelry, not because I cared about, you know, wearing them for, um, you know, to be appealing or, you know, to be vain. It was really a personal um, heirloom that meant a lot to me. And I thought it would offend my family if I didn't wear them anymore. And so that was probably the biggest struggle. Um, and I remember having conversations with Jonathan um, about it. And to him, it was simple, um, but he was very patient. And one day um, I remember being in church and I couldn't tell you to this day what my pastor was preaching on, um, but I knew I heard a story from the Bible, somehow, some way of how gold jewelry was used and offered to idols. It could have been the golden calf. I'm not sure. And I don't know what it was. It obviously was the Lord. I was just, I said, well, there it is. That was my evidence. And I just knew it. And in the middle of the service, I took my earrings off right there. And both Jonathan and his mother kind of looked at me because they knew that something had happened and they didn't dare say a word to me because they knew it was a personal thing. And yeah. I just put them back on. I just, I never wore them. So how old were you? Did you say when you got, came to the per- church for the first time, the apostolic church? I, believe I was 21 or 22. Okay. I, I'm going to ask you to be very bold here. Um, so, for the person who goes into the church for the first time as a as a young adult, this is can really really help them. Um, tell me about the first time that you got church hurt and how you overcame that. Actually, that happened very quickly. Um, I got hurt very quickly because of the young women um, that had kind of. Um, surrounded themselves in um, some of the youth uh, and even in our district who um, actually had an eye for my husband. He was quite the, um, you know, apple of a lot of women's eyes, you know, um, because they knew he had strong convictions and he didn't just choose anybody to date. And so that was very appealing to a lot of the younger ladies. Um, And I remember just, I felt like I was just being thrown to the wolves. (laughs) and we talk about this often um he was very respectful and um he took care of me um you know uh and understood where I was coming from and I guess it was when I went to camp for the first time um and um I was very nervous because I had never been to a, a camp before let alone a church camp and when I was walking with him and I felt the eyes of all of the girls just staring at me I could feel so much hate I felt so much jealousy I felt um just a lot of uh, negative feelings and I don't say that to puff us up at all it was just the situation and I remember getting so hurt because they didn't know me and um that stuck with me And the only thing I can say that helped was knowing that there were a few that actually got to know me. And then the more that I hung out with them, the more that I became part of their inner circle. And the more that I just continually went to church, no matter what, even if they stared at me, it wasn't about them. I was there for God. But on the outside, I could see how it looked like I was just coming to just steal another church boy. I bet it happened all the time Um, and vice versa, you know, guys coming in to take girls out of the church, but they didn't know my story before that point. They didn't know that God revealed himself in a vision. They didn't know that I was seeking him really with my whole heart. And so I had to really just focus on the main reason why I was there was not for them. And it was for God and it was for me to get right with God And if that meant having to deal with a little bit of other, you know, (laughs) things on the side, at that point, I had dealt with so much worse that I knew I could handle it. That is so awesome. Yeah, I mean, we just, everybody has to get to the place where church isn't for the people that's there, that church Mm -hmm. is is for God. Um, Because there's, especially whenever you first come in, because 
you know, people either have a, a preconceived notion about your past, things like that. But, but you, but you just had to have it made up in your mind that you're there for God, no matter what anybody says or what anybody does, mm-hmm. that is your focus. And that is why we are, we're supposed to be there anyway, because obviously the people that have these thoughts, it kind of reveals in a way, maybe they're not there for God. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and so, I mean, you just have to stay true and regardless of what other people, what, what, what their, their motives are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really not easy. Um, especially when you're all still trying to figure out who you are, you know, when you're that young, you don't really know who you are. <laughs> um, you're kind of learning yourself and you're, you have all these emotions happening. And I was a lot older than most of the people, you know, in the youth being, you know, already in my twenties and different things like that. And so I just had to rely on, you know, like I said, what God was teaching me and honestly, just going and getting lost in his word, that really just, it really solidified everything. So I'm going to ask you the question nobody likes to be asked because you said that whenever you were first in that you really didn't know who you were. Mm -hmm. Who are you now? I am somebody who is confident in her God. (laughs) that I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses Amen. and more are being revealed every day. And I know that at the end of the day, who really is for me? And I think any strength that people have, especially in the church, specifically in the church, we have to understand that they've gone through some things to make them that way. And I think sometimes being confident um, almost can look like vanity. But I think there is a difference because I'm confident that God has brought me through a lot and he can do it again. And that really is who I am today. I'm just rooted in um, my faith. I'm rooted in uh, the apostolic um, church through and through, and there is no turning back for me. Has your parents made any um, advances towards the kingdom in any way? Um, You know, they have come to um, many services. Um, My father was blessed at my baptism. and also my family friend, Wanda, who had came. She was also the one who took me in when I was leaving that relationship. I stayed with her for a couple months, and she mentored me and just kind of loved on me. Um, and my mother, you know, uh, has come to ladies' conferences. And, uh, you know, they're very uh, respectful and open, um, you know, to the faith. And, you know, I pray for them every day, and I just leave it in God's hands. He knows how their story is going to unfold. Man, um, t- talk to me about your, your family now. How, how many children do you have? I have two boys. Mm-hmm. Mother of two boys. What's that like? That is, I call it sweet and sour. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a little outnumbered in your house. <laughs> I am. Even the guinea pig is a boy. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> you know, growing up, I had, like I said, older guy cousin, but I had many older guy cousins who were like, big brothers to me but I never had younger you know guy cousins uh, not many close by it was just a bunch of girls um it was literally literally like a sorority house and um so having boys just threw me for a loop because I never I never was around boys at each age and so I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and they're just so much fun um they're high energy but I can be that way too and we're just learning each other. And one thing I say to my seven-year-old whenever, you know, um, obviously I homeschool them and, and we're together a lot. If there's a situation, I'm always like, hey, dude, you've never been seven before. And I've never been a mother to a seven-year-old before. So we're doing this together, okay? <laughs> so uh, is your husband a minister or what is your husband's role in the church? Right now, he's very much a saint. Um, 
he actually uh, suffers from premature arthritis and a herniated disc in his neck. He has uh, chronic migraines. And for the last, um, you know, uh, 10 years, throughout pretty much our whole marriage, um, his health has been dwindling down. And so he would love to be more active um, in the church, but uh, his health actually holds him back. And so um, right now he's just a, a faithful um, saint. And, um, and honestly, that's all I could ask for is that he still loves God with his whole heart. Sure. The reason I ask that is I want to know what, um, what your goal and your purpose is for Hello Awesome Ministries. What is your, what is your, your ultimate goal? Hmm. That's a good question. I guess my ultimate goal is to just inspire people. And I mean, inspire the younger generation to never give up their pursuit of Jesus. And however I, you know, share my gifts, whether it's drawing or painting or writing or podcasting or Instagram, I just want to bring our focus back to the one who matters. And he's been really supportive. Um, you know, we've had a couple, you know, different things happen. Um, I had to learn how to navigate ministry and family. And um, he has, you know, him and my pastor both have given me their blessing if someone has uh, called me to speak. And that has happened a couple of times. And, um, you know, only the Lord kind of knows the doors that are going to be open in the future. But yeah, I just want to really use Hello Awesome to um, hopefully greet people with the opportunity to, um, you know, get right with the Lord again. I have two more questions that um, align with this. Um, through your podcast, what drives you? What motivates you, JC? Honestly, just the fact that we have so much technology at our fingertips to reach people we may never talk to in real life. And I just think that if God has given me a message or a little nugget or just a story, my hope is that um, it, I just get driven by sharing that and letting it touch somebody and just putting it out there and letting God use it however he sees fit. Absolutely. You, you said something that was very, very uh, crucial. <laughs> you said, God has given you a story. You have to share it. Mm -hmm. uh, there is this lady that I have been working on to get her to be a guest on our podcast. And she says, I can't get through it. It'd be too emotional. I'm not interested. And, you know, we've kind of talked to her a little bit about it, you know, trying to get her to come around and she slowly is. And I don't want to pressure her by any means. But I can tell that there's an interest there because she has a story, but she doesn't have the platform uh, to tell it. And just for a brief minute here, would you talk about the importance of testifying and telling your testimony about the test that you've overcome? Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I've actually had guests uh, as well um, that I've reached out to multiple times and, and they tell me the same thing. Well, you know, I, I either it's too hard or the other thing that I hear most often is um, I wouldn't know what to say. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, but I think you would. <laughs> and I think for me is it's very easy for us to each downplay our own story and for us to feel like it doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. I feel like because we often compare our stories to other people's stories for some reason in our own minds, it doesn't seem like it's important enough. And what we have to realize is if God has called you and you are in his hands, you are important enough. Um, and your story really is important enough. It can change the trajectory for somebody else. And I've just seen that happen so often in my own life. And so it's just important to continue sharing. And one of the things that we have to realize is just because you're scared doesn't mean you don't have faith. Right. Sometimes we hear that, you know, you have to have one or the other. Well, if that's the case, then maybe Abraham, you know, you know, uh, seeing his son on, on the altar and he's going to go sacrifice. Um, if he was fearless about it, um, I'd kind of question his parenting a little bit, but 
Um, it's okay to be afraid, but we have to push back past that and do it anyway. Yeah. So the way I look at it is, um, I, what I told this lady was, is someone's deliverance or someone's overcoming or someone's chains breaking is hinged on your testimony being told. Somebody's waiting for it. God's given you that testimony for a specific reason, and that's to testify about it. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, it's one of the things that the Lord keeps putting on my heart, and it, it may even seem a little bit different, um, is that I feel that the majority of my testimony is not necessarily for somebody not in the church. I feel like the majority of my testimony is to let young girls know who are in the church who might be struggling that they're in the right place. And I think the more I'm around church people and the more that I minister to girls and the more messages I receive from young girls, you know, who are in the faith struggling, the more I realize that I can be a voice in saying, it's okay. You are okay. You are in the place that God wants you right now. Don't leave because there's nothing out there that's worth it out there. They're going to tell you all the things that you want to hear, but that doesn't mean that's what God wants you to know. And right now we have to understand that just because you're going through a trial or just because you may not feel him near, that doesn't mean that he doesn't still love you. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan for your life. Yes. Um, last month, um, was mental health awareness month. Um, or, or um, suicide prevention month. I can't quite remember exactly what it was, but I know that you had a, um, you focused a lot on it on, on your podcast. Will you speak about mental health issues um, and, and, and some of the things that you, you talked about just recently on this podcast, uh, dealing with the subject of the mental health of an individual? Yeah. So it was definitely a God thing, how that came to be. Um, it wasn't really my intention. For the month of October, all of those interviews were already recorded this past summer. And I, like I said before, when I started the podcast, I had started it ahead of time. And so I had, um, I was kind of ahead of the game when it came to when I put the podcast out for, you know, live and, and when I recorded. And I started noticing a pattern of mental health discussions and the different topics that would come up. And even though I tailor my questions um, very carefully for each guest, their response just really blew me away. And specifically, um, a friend of mine, Christina Baker, she was sharing about suicide attempts that had uh, failed. And she was sharing about her testimony on the first um, or excuse me, the, the second episode of that month. And um, I remember when, um, when I first reached out to her and asked her if she would be willing to share that personal story, I told her no pressure, but we need to start talking about these things. And um, I just saw more and more posts about mental health on Instagram, um, very um, heartbreaking posts of pastors and um, leaders in the ministry, both in our faith and other faiths, just um, giving the gift of life back um, to God. That's how I call it. Um, they just give the, the gift of life back because uh, they don't think they're worthy of it. And um, I said, Christina, if you would talk to your husband and if you both are willing, I would really like you to share this. And, um, and she agreed. And I can't tell you the response to that episode of when she talked about not only the different um, just times that she she tried to commit suicide and they failed, but how God used that and how that ultimately um, saved her and she became saved in the church and used a friend of hers to draw her into um, the current church that she's in now and she's living a free life. And it's just that hope. And um, I actually got a bunch of Instagram bloggers together uh, before uh, October. And I said, this is the topics that, uh, these are the topics and this is the, you know, the theme, mental health awareness. I really want to push this for October because I want to uh, reach as many people as possible. Will you join? And I've had so many incredible people say, yes, we need to talk about this. Thank you so much for doing it. And I was just so grateful that God placed it in my heart to be bold about it. 
And I, I think that's just uh, another thing that he's kind of given me um, is that boldness to talk about the hard things. Yes. Um, and, and that's what we're here for as well is to discuss mm -hmm. these, these hard issues. And because somewhere somebody's got to discuss it. And, yeah. and, and this is a platform where it is, it's just a platform where it can just be just the listener and then us giving this discussion. I mean, there, there's nobody around watching tears fall. You know, there's, there's no, there's no sort of, um, you know, sometimes in, in church you can get uncomfortable because if somebody's preaching something, you respond and go to the altar, then everybody, you kind of outed yourself on some of the things mm -hmm. that you've even been dealing with. And, and this is a way that the, an individual and in, in where they can really just be honest, where it's just them, God and the message. And, and that's what I think is so powerful about podcasts and, and you know, it's more than a hobby. It's more than just something you do for entertainment. And, you know, cause you know, like with Tony, one of the reasons why he wanted to get started was because he was in a FedEx truck all the time, mm -hmm. but that was, he needed something to pass the time, but greater than that, he wanted something that was there for his personal benefit. Mm -hmm. And I think that the platform that you are a part of and we're a part of is it's, it can really touch lives. It's, it's, like I said, it's so much yeah. more than just something we do, but there's a, there's a message that can be communicated and it can really change people's lives and really encourage people in, in some of the darkest times of their life. And the great thing is, since it's archived, they can always go back again and again and again. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my pastor, um, uh, Clifford Readout, we go to the Apostolic Church of Enfield. He does a podcast every Sunday morning with his Bible studies, and he is an incredible teacher. Um, I just learned so much from him. And so just knowing that, you know, he has his own podcast and he has his own podcast audience and listening to that before I even had my podcast, it was very encouraging. And I remember speaking with him about it. And one of the biggest things that he said to me, when I, I go to him for everything, you know, if I have a new, you know, venture in mind or, or if I have an invitation, I check with my, you know, my husband and my pastor. And, and one of the things that he had said to me that just blessed me and, and pretty much brought years was he said JC I approve of you and you know when you have a man of God that you respect say that to you yes take it lightly it, it I, I, I do not take it lightly and I know it has nothing to do with me but he has seen God work in my life and he just wants me to just use whatever I can to bless people absolutely you know this is just kind of throwing this out there maybe our listener our mutual listeners can uh give some feedback on this, but you know, it'd be kind of neat sometime if we could get the other, uh, other podcaster out there and on one day release a subject, everybody come together, pick, pick like a, a subject together and everyone on our, all of our platforms, we every on the same day release a podcast about just one thing. Yeah. I think that would be neat if we all came together and did something. Because like that. we, we are a, we're on a team, JC. Absolutely. We're not, we're not fighting for who's got the better numbers or who's got the most listeners or, right. you know, who, who can, who can be the most popular, the fastest. We're in this for a common purpose that mm -hmm. a, you're not out there alone. You're not fighting alone. You don't have to be quiet anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's time that we are awesome. <laughs> we are awesome and um we we are we're a group of brothers and sisters that are working for a common purpose but you have you've written some books tell me about those books you've written tell our audience about that oh man well the first one that i wrote um i actually wrote when i was still working full-time so if you have a full-time job it's okay you know, there's some people that are like, I have this dream, but I'm working full time. It's okay. You got to work around that sometimes. Um, but, you know, it gave me time to write. I was a bank teller and uh, it was busy all the time. And so when it was slow, I was researching different things. And I wrote my first book, The Palace Keepers, which is all about the purity of the heart. And it was definitely a message that God had placed on my life, um, on my heart in the beginning that first year i remember just the first six months of it being just something that i kept going to in my personal bible study time it was i was finally living on my own and in my own apartment just getting lost in the word of god and just getting my mind blown you know and um 
he really just shared with me that um, it's okay if you want to be physically pure, but that's not where um, that's not where it ends. In fact, it begins at your heart first. So sometimes I think we have a backwards system of where we protect our bodies first before our hearts. But God was really showing me that you need to protect your heart first and your body will follow. And so the palace keepers is all about protecting the purity of your heart and the palace being your body, um, but also your mind and your soul as well. And so uh, that was the first one, which is a very, um, you know, personal one, but it, it, it led the way to me sharing. Um, I also wrote a devotional um, that's kind of, uh, I kind of stopped um, selling it because I have to kind of tweak a couple things, but it was called uh, Breaking the Chains, 31 Days of uh, Devotionals. And it just takes everything from the palace keepers and um, breaks it down simple um, so people can do devotions every day. Um, so I'm kind of reworking that. Um, and then I created a modest fashion coloring book, which um, I'm calling it the first official modest fashion coloring book because I've never seen anything like that before. And um, it got such great reviews that Pentecostal Publishing House um, has told me it's been like one of the best sellers the last like three years for them. And uh, I have a second one coming out with them very soon. And then um, the last one is, uh, again, another personal one. Because now that I've um, been married for a while and I've had, you know, children, um, it was really the birth of my second son when I realized that I was the only female in the house, like we talked about. Um, that was a very big deal for me because I knew that God was placing a responsibility in my hands, that I was going to be the female representation of what an apostolic woman would be. And that is a very big uh a shoe to fill yeah that's uh, that's a that's a big question (laughs) that's a big question and I remember thinking well I have two boys now um I don't have a girl and we're probably not gonna have any more all right God show me how to be the woman that they need show me how to be the mother that they need um and that was very convicting because there was a lot of things that he showed me that I needed to give up um which, you know, we have to be careful when we ask those prayers. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. Here, um, as you, you know, uh, Adam, listen to our podcast, where we, we tend to give the, um, to the end, the listener, the opportunity to speak a word of hope to, to the people that may be listening. And so I want to give you that opportunity now to, to speak a, a word of hope uh, to someone that's out there. Well, okay. <laughs> um. I want you to just remember what God has already taught you about himself. What do you know about God? And hold on to that. But don't just, um, don't just uh, stop there. Keep learning more about God. And use that as your hope that he has already given you something very powerful. And even the smallest knowledge that you think you have about him is greater than the enemy. So hold on to what he's given you and never give up pursuing him because God's best for you is better than anything you could ever do for yourself. Wow. That is, that is powerful. That is absolutely powerful. We, it is, it has certainly been our honor to have you on JC and, and thank you so much for the support you've given us. And thank you for what you're doing with the, with the hello awesome podcast. And, and it, it's our hope that it just continues to grow. And, and how does our listeners find the hello yeah, awesome yeah. podcast? Well, they can search on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that they listen to podcasts, they can search Hello Awesome Podcast. Um, a lot of older listeners actually don't know what to do with it. So I have put a little um, player, podcast player on my website so they can actually, anybody really can listen at HelloAwesomeMinistries.com where you can find my books and all these other links um, to what I do. And you can click on podcast at the top and you can go to the podcast page and actually listen to the last 10 episodes. JC, thank you so much for spending time with us this evening. And uh, I I encourage all of our crucial family to go out and uh, subscribe to the Hello Awesome podcast. Give a five-star review. And yeah, I mean, thank you so much for all you do, JC. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tony and Brian. I really appreciate you guys so much. 
You guys have been listening to the Crucial Conversation podcast.